Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Over the centuries, many philosophers and authors have written about the themes of hope and despair. One 20th century example is The Lord of the Rings, written by J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien was born in 1892. He was orphaned by age 12. He fought in World War I. He survived the Battle of Somme, among others. And, uh, he saw his, his peers brutally cut down. He was 26 years old when the 1918 uh, flu pandemic hit the world. He lived to see the devastation of World War II. Korean War and Cold War tensions, Vietnam, and among other world events, uh, Tolkien died in 1973. He knew pain, he knew despair, he knew darkness. And so his, his story, The Lord of the Rings, without getting into the, the hobbits and the goblins and elves and dwarves and all of that, The Lord of the Rings uh, contains big thematic elements of Darkness, despair, gloom. But you know what? This story, The Lord of the Rings, it also carries the theme of hope. Hope. And there's plenty of other stories out there where you have hope and despair coexisting together in the same plotline. Hope and despair. And I think there's a strong uh, trend in our stories a strong trend to pay attention to in our stories. It goes like this, that like no matter how nasty of the story it is, no matter how big and, and dark the storyline is, a little bit of hope goes a long way. A little bit of hope goes a long way. A, a small light can illuminate the darkness. And so as we consider our own stories, our own day and time, our, our national story, as we consider our, our own hope and despair. Today, uh, we have two scripture lessons to take a look at today. Isaiah chapter 9 and Matthew 4 is where we'll be at today. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9 first this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, it's in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. And again, uh, for, for today, I want you to keep in mind the elements of, of dark and darkness and, and light and despair and, and hope. Keep these themes in mind as we navigate, navigate the scriptures together this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 1. In my translation, uh, the first word begins with, nevertheless. And so for us as readers, it signals to us that there's, there's context that we need to know. And so uh, if, we, if we turn back to Isaiah chapter 8, let me basically summarize. The Israelites are living in dark times. All right. Uh, basically, uh, pick, pick something out of the darkness hat. Israel's probably struggling with it. You know, uh, religious darkness, political darkness, and so on. And we find out at the end of Isaiah chapter 8, the people want Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. The people want Isaiah to consult mediums and spiritualists. Like they want Isaiah to check out necromancy, talking with the dead, okay? 
This is a practice that their pagan neighbors do, and they want Isaiah to, to do this. In short, God doesn't, God doesn't like this, okay? Uh, God doesn't want his people to turn to necromancy. He wants them to turn to him. Like, if you do not turn to God, Israel, you will wander in darkness. You will be in distress. Your life will be all about fearful gloom. Okay? But nevertheless, Isaiah chapter 9 begins, Nevertheless, nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. All right? You might not be familiar so much with these names, Zebulon and, and Naphtali. Um, these are uh, tribal lands, um, and, and uh, these are two territories uh, that, that belong to Israel, but, but they got hit really hard by the, by the Assyrians, okay? The Assyrian invasion. In fact, Zebulon and Naphtali, these lands are lost, Okay. That's important to know uh, in context here of Isaiah chapter 9. Okay, this is a national shame. Like, homeland was lost. But there's good news. Someday, God will bring honor back to this land. It reads, but in the future, God will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. Okay, this is a message of reversal. Someday God will bring honor back to the land. The way of the sea, the uh, the land east of the Jordan to the Galilee of of nations. These these three territories, okay? Um th this is geography being mentioned here. This is the land where Jesus would would grow up in. Where Jesus would do a lot of ministry. Isaiah then starts in this prophetic poem. Let's read on. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. So in context, the Assyrians, they, they, uh, they invaded and they, they brought devastation. They, they, they killed people. They, they deported people. They brought devastation and darkness to the land. A foreign empire has, has broken in. They, they have dominance over homeland. Okay? And this, this is a lousy situation. Okay, being invaded is, is one thing, but the real pain comes when, when you lose life, when you lose land, economy. Okay? The grief of, of losing part of your homeland, like Israel is, is mourning, it, it stings, okay? Here in our country, what if America was invaded by a foreign military? Okay, as citizens, you know, thinking about this, like this causes us anguish. We do not want this to happen, okay? So maybe we can try to find some commonality, try to identify with the, these ancient Israelites here in Isaiah chapter 8, chapter 9, you know, like, like part of their homeland has been lost. But again, Isaiah speaks of radical hope. In the land of darkness, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. Night won't last 
forever. There will be a new day. There will be a time when light overcomes the darkness. Light is coming. A light has dawned. Verse 3, you have enlarged the nation, increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they have rejoiced at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. When the light breaks in, it will be a time of great joy, a time of abundance and growth. You know, plants need light to grow, to be fruitful, to, to grow well. These are words of prosperity here. And so we think of like a good harvest, lots of fruits and, excuse me, vegetables coming in from the fields. Healthy crops mean, uh, you know, blessing. Healthy crops are a blessing. Healthy crops means healthy people. We also imagine victory and dividing up the spoils of the war. Verse 4, it's a pronouncement of, of deliverance. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of the oppressor, just as you did on the day of, of Midian. So you know what? You know, Assyria is a scary world superpower to these Israelites. But, but Isaiah, he, he brings the comparison. He's actually pointing back in time. He's like, hey, remember that story about Gideon and, and his 300 men? And they defeated the Midianites with just trumpets, torches, and jars. Remember that story? Like God brought his victory to Gideon and his men. God will bring victory to us. And you know what? It might come in unusual ways. Even if it seems like we, we are in impossible situations, God is really good at making a way. Verse 4 is a reminder here that God can bring great victories in ways that we would never think of. Verse 5 then talks about holy war. Holy war victory. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. And so this is a little odd for us, but sometimes, you know, it was customary to strip the dead. You take all the military equipment, the armor, uh, you would toss it on a big pile, light it up on fire, uh, burning this stuff. This was a way of, of dedicating the victory to God. An ancient custom, uh, but that's what, that's what this is. Holy war victory. So we think of the themes of victory here. God's victory. God making a way. God bringing victory in magnificent ways. So do you hear the, the themes today? Gloom and distress, but there's hope. Darkness, but a light will come. Shame and loss and oppression, but there will be honor, victory, and joy. And then Isaiah, he introduces us to a person, a royal child. What follows next uh, is, is uh, it talks about Jesus, a descendant of David, this messianic royal child, Jesus Christ. Isaiah is talking about Jesus here in, in this Old Testament prophecy. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. 
Kings wear crowns, not burdens. But Jesus, Jesus is the one, King Jesus is the one who carries the burden of his kingdom. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is wisdom. He is the source of eternal life. He brings peace. He is our mighty God. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. The, the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The royal child is Jesus, identified as king of kings. He will lead his people to next level peace. And so the people who, have, who heard this prophecy 2,600 some years ago, you know, they, they heard this message of hope right in the middle of dark and despairing times. Isaiah has his prophet flashlight, and he's shining his, his flashlight on Jesus. Jesus alone is king forever. And here's the good news. The zeal of the Lord of angel armies will complete his mission. His kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. That is a promise. In the Old Testament days, people were waiting for the light to come. They were looking for their Messiah. In the New Testament, the Messiah arrives. The light arrives in the person, the king person of Jesus Christ. A month ago today, we celebrated Christmas Eve. We, we celebrated the arrival of, of Jesus, and we're still talking about it today. Uh, we always are talking about it. Jesus has arrived and now, in the church age, the church is a lampstand for the light of Jesus Christ. We continue to seek out the king and his kingdom. We, we pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're up to today. I believe God uh, is revealing himself through the church. Uh, uh, the church universal... We mess up all the time, but I believe God is still using the church to reveal himself. So we must stay on mission. We must continue to seek out the light. We must continue to uh, be seeking out and praying that his kingdom uh, would come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. So Jesus, uh, you know, Born in Bethlehem, the light arrives. The king is here. The royal child is, is here. We don't know too much about Jesus' childhood, but we do know that he, he grew up in the region mentioned in Isaiah chapter 9. Right? In terms of geography, by the time uh, Jesus would have taken a geography class in middle school, uh, talking about the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, like, these are old school names, okay? Jesus knows this land as Galilee, all right? Jesus is Galilean. Jesus is the great light for the land of Galilee. So Jesus grows up. 
as we as we follow the the Jesus story, uh, he gets baptized. He is led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. He does what the first Adam could not do. Uh, Jesus uh, fends off. He 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 defeats the devil. He he moves on. Uh, but there is a, a moment, there is an incident in the storyline that is like the inflection point or like the catalyst uh, when Jesus actually uh, launches into his full-time ministry. And that's when John the baptizer gets arrested. Okay, John is thrown into prison by, by the, the ruler, Herod. And when Jesus hears this news that his cousin, his relative's in prison. That's the moment when, when Jesus really just, it's like every, every switch is switched. <laughs> uh, every level uh, lever is, is pulled. It's like, here we go. Jesus launches into ministry right in the middle of Herod's territory. And the gospel writer, he, he connects the dots back to Isaiah chapter 9. Matthew is sure to point out that Jesus is the one that the scriptures were talking about so long ago. Right here in Galilee, where there's a big population of Gentiles, right in the middle of of Herod's territory, Jesus preaches the good news. Check out Matthew 4, verse 17. Jesus picks up right where John left off. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repentance uh, means uh, to change, okay? Repentance is a change in your heart and mind that that leads to a a change in behavior. It it is, um, uh, repentance is, yeah, it's a a turning, okay? Uh, Repentance and conversion, they they often go together, but yeah, there there is a, a turning in our heart and mind that leads to a change in behavior, all right? Now, when, it, when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is, is here or near or drawing close, I want you to think of heaven and earth not as two separate realities, but two distinct realities that are integrated and overlapping realities. Okay, Heaven or the kingdom of God, you know, interchangeable there, um, God's space is closing in. God's kingdom, God's space is is breaking in. All right, that's the message. God is breaking in. Repent. Change your heart and mind. Like, like get right with God. Change your life. The kingdom is here. Heaven is invading earth. That's like the summary of of Jesus' message. John the the baptizer was, was preaching this as well. Repent and believe the good news. So if you have your Bibles open, looking over Matthew 4 here, you'll see Jesus, he relocates his his headquarters to uh, Capernaum. He calls his first disciples, and that's a great story we'll we'll get into for another time. But what we see here is that Jesus is on the move, and and he went all over Galilee. He taught in synagogues, and and, uh, he, he just continued to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Again, God's space is breaking into our space, and it's, it's integrated, and it's, it's awesome. There's this new reality of, of God, and, and he is here. And, and uh, Jesus is also just pointing to himself, because Jesus is king. 
He is the king of his kingdom, and he's walking on, on earth, and everywhere he was walking, heaven met earth, and it was just amazing. In this dreary and great world of, of low-income Galileans, God's light is just breaking in. Heaven really is breaking in. Heaven really is changing lives. Heaven really is breaking into the hearts and minds of people in very real ways. Restoration is, is coming both in spiritual forms and, and physical forms. You know, Jesus, he, he preached well, but we can't shy away that he was also a healer. Jesus is talking about the kingdom, but it's like, well, this is what kingdom people look like. This is what heaven people look like. And he would, he would do miracles. Okay, restoration is, is a big kingdom thing. A, a, a big kingdom theme is what I meant to say. Uh, but, but Jesus is there. He's walking. He's preaching. He's doing miracles. He's doing healings. Uh, he is breaking the oppressive yoke of sickness and disease. This was, this is exciting stuff. And people, they hear this good news. People are bringing Jesus uh, all of their sick, uh, afflicted people suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, the paralytics, and so on. Everybody's going to Jesus, and Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed them all. Light was breaking in. People were turning their lives back to God. People were being healed. People were being set free from the bondage of sin, disease, sickness, illness, chronic pains. Jesus was bringing a fresh humanity, a, a fresh restoration. The kingdom of God is breaking in. Jesus is still breaking in today. Jesus is still in the business of healing. Jesus can heal you. The dark corners of your life, Jesus can get into those spaces and light it up. Jesus can, can bring healing. The light overcomes the darkness. Depression, anxiety, fears, doubt, addictions, Weariness, feeling broken, shame, guilt, unhealthy appetites, unhealthy uh, ambition, approval issues, unhealthy uh, sense of esteem, insecurities, feeling in inadequate, uh, and we could list on and on and on, you know, being a workaholic, perfectionism. Bitterness, like, like we can just keep listing all of these things. Church, let's learn from the people of, of Israel. If we turn away from God, we'll just wander more and more into distress, darkness, and gloom. Or, the invitation is this, we can turn to Jesus our wise, life-giving, our, our peace-making, mighty 
God. Let's turn to Jesus. That is our invitation today. Turn to Jesus. Be in the light. Take take your stuff, whatever it is. We all have we all have that inner personal world that you know those tangles and 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 uh, some of that sticky stuff. We don't know what to do deal with and and um, give it to Jesus. Talk to him. Tell him about it. Show it to him. Jesus, here's my heart. Like, here's here's that nasty like chunk of nastiness. Here you go, Jesus. Light, light it up. Bring freedom. Bring restoration. That is our God. By grace, we get to do that. He is enough, and his grace is sufficient. Not every, not every change happens at once. But repentance is, is a process, and, and turning, and conversion, and, and moving towards Jesus, is, it, it's a life, it's, it is a, a lifetime process. I believe Jesus will bring freedom through miracle. God is an expert at making a way when there seems to be no way. Jesus will bring freedom through miracle. I believe it. I believe it. And if not in this lifetime, certainly in the life that is to come. Because that is a promise. Jesus alone carries his kingdom. Jesus alone bore the cross. Jesus alone defeated death. Jesus alone brings the victory and he shares it with us. So church, maybe you feel like Tolkien, where you saw a lot of stuff in life. And you're kind of a pest. You're kind of pessimistic. Your outlook on the world is more on the sad and dark side of things. Or maybe you feel like one of his characters, like Frodo, this little guy, who's just a little guy in the world, small and struggling, but trying to hang in there, trying, trying, to, get, trying to get to the end. Maybe you feel like Israel and you're Tempted to turn to worldly solutions. Maybe you, you, you do want to check out that palm reader. Hopefully not necromancy. Hopefully that's not a thing. I don't know. But like, don't, don't go down that alley. Turn to God. Turn to God. Our, our call to action today is to turn to the light. Turn to the light. It is symbolic. It's a symbolic way of talking about Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Be in the light of his glory and grace. There is radical hope today. There is radical hope today. Church, faith is a long time game. The long game. Faith is the long game. Trust in Jesus' victory. Trust in his process. Turn to the light. Because the light has indeed been dawned. Amen.